So let's see. Let's go to my notes say first Timothy. That's we'll go. We'll go there. First Timothy chapter two. And, and the the uh, topic of today's sharing is make God's desire your desire. In first Timothy chapter two, we read a little bit about some of God's desire. In the world, and it's in First Timothy chapter two, verse one. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for all for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of of the truth. So God's desire in this verse is pretty clear. He would have all men to be saved and to come on to a knowledge of the truth. When we make that desire our desire in life, then it leads to certain things. And when I was thinking about what, what it means to us, you know, if I have an interest in saving others or reaching out to to bring the Word of God to other people, then I will tend to think less of myself. I will become less self-absorbed. Uh, I'll start thinking, like it says in the Word of God, think on the things of others also. Right? Um, you know, if we, if we have the desire to save anyone, then there's no human distinctions. We don't care where people are from or where their background is. We just want to... Because God's desire is who? Everybody. Not just our friends or those that we like, you know. But everybody, so I don't care. You know, I shouldn't care. I shouldn't care. Um, and another thing I was thinking about what it might do, like if I, because every day we all have desires, right? We all, every day we get up, we have things we want to do that day. We have a desire and things that we're into doing that day. Yeah. Uh, well, if I make God's desire my desire, you know, in this particular case, talking about. Um, all men to be saved, you know, and come on to a knowledge of the truth, then it might actually have an impact on what my daily activities are. But if I don't make his desire my desire, then chances are I'll just go about the things that I want to do. See, it's, a, it's, it's an action of the will. Here, God, it says, it says in, in, in verse 4, um, who will, that word will is, in, in Greek is the word desires, right? He desires this. So if I make it an act of my desire, my will, to want all people to be saved, then I will probably take corresponding action that day on that desire. But if I have not done that, then I probably will not. Right? Because it's a matter of thinking. What are we thinking about every day? Look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. See, Josh. Matthew chapter 9. Josh is off to hockey practice, so. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. 
This is Jesus Christ. And says in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So he, he was acting out God's desire to have all people to be saved. Here he is teaching and preaching. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. See, see, Jesus Christ said, I always do the will of my Father. Now God says he wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, did Jesus Christ think that way? Sure did, right? Isn't that what he was doing? And he saw them, he said, ah, you know, he had compassion on them. Why? Did he know them? No. I don't, maybe some of them, but he didn't really know everybody. It's because God's desire was to have all men to be saved. And he saw them and said, Compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They had no guidance in life. Well, how many people do we meet every day? Without Jesus Christ, you have no guide in life. Right? You just don't. Right? So when I see somebody at work that I know doesn't believe, you know, maybe my heart should have a little compassion and say, you know what, here's a person that doesn't really have direction. Because I think sometimes we think of witnessing as, you know, I'm going to be an imposition on them or they're going to think I'm weird or just something they don't want to do. How about thinking from the other point of view that without it, they will not have direction in their life. Right? Jesus Christ's compassion was based on, I can give them direction. <laughs> I, can, I see them. And then what does he, what does he say in verse uh, 37? Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Right? Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Right? You know, his desire was that there would be more people that would have the same compassion and the same desire to help those who, 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 who he said had no direction. Right? You know, so his desire pretty much seems to be exactly what God's desire was. Remember when he was hungry? When they were all hungry, he had the same compassion. I mean, you know, they'd been with him for a while, and he goes, let's feed them, let's take care of them. Right? His desire was to take care of people, to reach out to people. Um, remember the prayer in John 17? If you, you, know, you remember that great prayer in John 17? He prayed for not for only the guys that were following him, but for all those that would someday believe their word. Right? He, he had such a desire to see people come to the Lord. You know, and he, he prayed for us because we're the ones, some of the ones who have believed on the word that was taught over the years and over the years. So his prayer actually was for us as well. So why don't I make that, why don't we make that our desire? Right? Um, it might change the way we look at each day. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Jesus Christ certainly had that desire. How about Paul? We'll get to see a little pattern here in some of the men in God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says in verse 1, For yourselves, know, uh, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know in Philippi, so they had been dead, suffered, and they were shamefully entreated. So, you know, whatever they were trying to do before hadn't, been, hadn't met with great, you know, response. They had to suffer and were shamefully entreated. 
as you know, in Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So suffering, uh, shamefully entreated, and lots of contention. But despite that, they said we were bold to speak unto you the gospel of God. Why was he so excited about speaking the gospel of God to people? It's God's desire, isn't it? Right. Do you think Paul might have been attuned a little bit to what God's desire was for the world? Right. I would think so if you read the, you know, it's pretty clear when, he, when Jesus Christ personally witnessed to him and called him to the ministry, what did he say he was going to do? He was going to preach, right? He was going to bring the, bring the gospel. Right. So here, here he is. And so he didn't just stop as soon as they had a little bit of shameful entreatment or some suffering and much, not just a little bit, much contention. Whereas, you know, if I, you know, one of, one of us, we might be in a situation where we speak the word and someone says, oh, shut up, get the hell, get away from me, what the hell, and that might be enough for us to just close up for the rest of the day, right? What do we care? Why should I care of the response of people's lives, people's people, if I am acting out or living God's desire, right? I should be more concerned, and Peter and those guys said that one time, right? We ought to obey God rather than man. We ought, I don't really care what the response is from people. I want to be more concerned about what is God's. I want to make His desire my desire. I want to live, you know, His desire in my life. And I'd like to say that, you know, the, the, the things we do throughout the day, they're as a result of being God's desire in our hearts. Right? When we go to the shop or workplace or wherever we happen to be, you know, you know, Patrick, you were sharing about the mystery and all that Jesus Christ came to do, that how the adversary wouldn't have killed the Lord had he known what was possible, right? And here we are, what was possible, right? Um, keep reading here, I'm getting carried away. Verse 3, But our, our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, which is amazing, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, here it is again, but God, because if he wanted to please men, he would have stopped when the contention, the shameful treatment and suffering happened. He would have stopped right there. Right? But it was pleasing God. See, pleases God when you speak his word. Isn't that what it says here? That's what it says. Right? But God, which tried their hearts, for neither at any time use we flattering words, as, yet, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. And we weren't trying to fool you or had any other ulterior motive. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. They could have. They were doing God's work. They should have taken care of them. He said, even then, we didn't even ask that of you guys. We weren't burdensome. Because he's more concerned about God's desire and getting the gospel out. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, <laughs> but also our own souls because you were dear unto us you see it takes work it takes a commitment of soul the will to carry out what the word of God says God knows full well what the response is going to be in many cases it takes a, you know, a, a desire verse 9 for you remember brethren our labor and travail see that laboring night and day so it's not just, you know, when we had a few seconds between beers, you know, we said a few words about Christ and then went back to whatever we're doing. No, it says laboring night and day. That's, they made that there. I know this is Paul the Apostle. I know that he had a special ministry. I'm not saying that we all have the ministry of the Apostle Paul, right? We don't. But just the, the example being 
what was his desire in his life? What was the desire with which he carried out what God had told him to do? Right? He was not afraid to work and labor. And they, because we were, would not be chargeable unto any of you, they worked on their, for their, their own, own, own needs, we preached unto you the gospel of God. That was the point. They were doing all that. You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. And the result... For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, which we just read, they didn't hear of them without much cost to the Apostle Paul. It wasn't just, you know, some Sunday picnic, suffering, shamefully entreated, much contention. They had to work. Even their needs weren't being even met by the Thessalonians. They worked for their own needs. They were shamefully entreated, much contention, and suffered. And they went because they went through that these guys heard God's word and you received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe right and that was the end result they got the word to these people and they were able to believe but it wasn't easy in this case was it right so you know we learned that carrying out God's desire in life isn't easy all the time is it right i don't find it easy all the time do you find it hard sometimes to not do what everybody else is doing? Right? You know, and there's verses about that. You know, they say, you know, yeah, sure. But guess what do you want to do? Do I want to obey man or do I want to obey God? Do I want to please man or do I want to please God? You know, what's, the, what's the desire of my heart? Look at the 1 Corinthians chapter 9. More about Paul. I mean, Paul, if you remember when he was in prison, uh, he writes in Philippians. He's talking about uh, they were preaching Christ, and a lot of them were preaching Christ to cause him trouble. You know, his heart, like if I was doing that, and, and someone was doing something to cause me trouble, I might have the uh, thought, to hell with these guys, why are they giving me such a hard time? But that wasn't God's desire, right? God's desire was that the gospel would reach all mankind. So what does he say in that case? He goes, whether in pretense or in truth, I don't care, the gospel is preached. He was more concerned with the impact the word of God preached would have, was going to make than you know, his own personal desires. And, you know, it's pretty incredible. Right? 1 Corinthians 9, and in verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You know, he so much had the desire to preach. For if I do the thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not my power in the gospel. Similar to the circumstance of Thessalonians. For though, I, for though I be free from all men, and I love this section because, again, it talks about what it takes to bring the gospel to people. Right? Um, I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. The reason he was making himself a servant to all so that he could gain more. He could get, he, he could get the gospel to more people. That's the whole point. Right? Um, 
and unto the Jews I became as a Jew. And you, you see a case of this when he was uh, when he comes back to uh, Jerusalem at the end, right? They told him to go and purify himself with all those people, and yet the, he knew the law was ended. He was teaching that for years, yet he went ahead and did that. He became as a Jew, right? Why? Because he thought he could reach the Jews. Right? He knew the law was finished. But he said, I, unto them I became a Jew so that I could reach the Jews. What does that mean to me? It means that maybe sometimes I might be with people that put me out of my comfort zone. Right? Maybe I have to be with people that I necessarily don't, I'm not used to associating with. You know, um, if, if I want to carry God's desire in my heart, that is. But if I want to carry my desire, then I'll just keep on doing whatever I do. Right? That's, that's me now. Now verse 20. And unto the Jews, sorry, verse, uh, rest, rest of verse, that I might begin the Jews, to them that are with, under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. See, he became as he was, he didn't really, he wasn't under the law, but he became under the law <laughs> in that particular situation. To them that, remember he circumcised Timothy, remember that? When Timothy first joined him, he had Timothy circumcised. He knew the law was finished. But why did he have him circumcised? Because it would help him move the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he did it. So to them that were under the law, as under the law, that he might gain more, right? See, he was not concerned about what it would, what it would take to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To them that are without law, verse, being not without law to God, you know, he didn't, he didn't, but under the law to Christ. He said he kept himself, you know, straight, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. See, every, every such instance, he did what he did so he could reach them. I am made all things to all that I might by all means save not save everybody. No, what does it say? Some. <laughs> right. As long as he could reach the ones that wanted to believe, he did what it was, ne was necessary. Maybe that means, you know, well, I never go to uh, that kind of place. Maybe I should. You know, I don't hang around that part of town. Well, maybe I should. That's not the kind of person I'm used to talking to. Maybe I could be. He, Paul, if Paul said, I have made all things to all men. You know, maybe it was hard for him to go back under the law when he had just preached so much that the law was finished. And he had been in Acts 15 where he had to, you know, take those guys who were confronted, who came to you know, Peter and got carried away and all that, and Barnabas. He had to confront those guys by the law. He said, look, that's the end of the law. And it was a big deal in the church. Yet later on, he puts himself under the law for a while, just so he could reach them. Right? What does it take? It takes us out of what we're used to doing a lot of times. So the gospel can be made known. Right? Oh, this is a great section. Verse 23, and this I do, and so forth. Um, you can read the rest of it. It's pretty cool. In uh, Ezekiel 33... Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Ezekiel 33. You know, a lot of times, and I know we looked at this, uh, at this in the fellowship once, that a lot of people, us included, and there's nothing wrong with this, but people come to God because they have needs, right? And uh, that, that's great, uh, because God says He will meet all of our needs, right? 
according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that's a lot. He's got everything. He's got everything. God has everything to meet our needs. So we come to God and, you know, and, and that's, that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? But it ends up being where eventually, you know, when you get into God's word, and you, you know, you, first thing, you get your needs met. You know, you, you gain peace. You know, you no longer are fighting with God. You understand all that we have. You know, the manifestations, you know, and the Spirit. Man, we have eternal life. You get all these wonderful things, right? And we come to God, and, and He takes care of us. But at some point, that being taken care of has to be converted into us desiring to take care of others by the same blessings that we have been blessed with, right? That's even Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, He said, I came not to be served, right? But to serve. And at some point, you know, you see hundreds of verses in the New Testament talking about by love, serve one another. And we now, because Christianity, at first, it's yeah, you, you get blessed, and then it's a reaching out to bless others, right? Why would I want to ever hold on to what I've got and not tell everybody, right? That's what God wants. He wants us to tell everybody. Um, he wants us to, his desire is that all men be saved. You know, sometimes, uh, I remember I heard a great teaching once about angels and, uh, you know, um, about the people in the Bible to whom angels came, right? And sometimes you ever ask, well, why, did God, why doesn't God help me with this? You know, I've been trying for 30 years to win at the racetrack and God just won't tell me the uh, revelation, which horse is going to win, right? Or whatever, bad example maybe, I don't know. But, did you ever look at the cases in God's Word to whom angels were sent? Where, what situations God sent angels? Right. You just think off the back of your mind, right? Daniel, right? Was Daniel taking a stand of some sort for God at the point? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? Some kind of stand there? Uh, Jesus Christ? <laughs> God says in the Bible that when he was in the garden, right? God sent an angel strengthening him, right? Was that? Yeah. And uh, I was going to you're going to get to Paul Peter in jail. Was Peter? Did Peter witness at all? Did he take a stand to, to the risk of his own life more than once? Right. So when he's in prison, God sends him an angel. Right. Uh, Paul, Mary. Mary, Zachariah, all righteous people. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that it's an, it's interesting to note that the believers that were taking a stand for him, right, are, are the records in God's word. You know, so I might be concerned. If I say, God, why aren't you helping me with this? I might be concerned. I might be worthwhile. I'm talking about me now. I might be worthwhile saying, well, what are you trying to get help with? And are the things you're trying to get help with the desire of God or just some things you've decided that you want to do, right? I don't know. Worth thinking about. I, I love Ezekiel here. Um, and let's just read it. In Ezekiel 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of my people, of thy people. And I read this section from the point of view of recognizing what it is that we have to share and the responsibility that has been given to us to share that. Right? When I, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he shall blow the trumpet and warn the people, which is, the, by the way, the watchman's job. Otherwise, he's not a, he's a sleepman. <laughs> if he's a watchman, he's watching from the, 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 the wall of the town and he sees the army coming, his job is to blow the trumpet and say, there's an army coming. 
and get ready or get out, whatever, whatever you're prone to do. Right? He says that, and warn the people, verse 4, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning. So, you know, he tells them, they're coming. If the sword come and take him away, the, his blood shall be upon his own head. Because he was warned. Right? He was warned. You had the warning. You didn't listen. Blood upon your own head. Verse 4. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet. Okay. Okay. And then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning. Sorry, I just read that. Verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. So the guy who hears, the, heeds the warning, he's going to get blessed, right? He's going to save himself. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, right? You know, do we know that Jesus Christ is coming back someday? Do we know that there is going to be a day of wrath? That the world is going to be burned up with unquenchable fire? Do we know that? Do we know that day is someday coming? Do we all recognize that we know this? Right. Are there people here who have not heard the Word of God yet? Right. Have we been given a responsibility to tell them about Jesus Christ? It says here, And blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Right, so he tells in this case, this, this Old Testament, okay, we, I'm not trying to compare this to us not speaking the word, only from the point of view, the responsibility that we have. Right? Not from the point of view that, you know, we're guilty. Verse 7, So thou, son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel, therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. You know, I, I love this record because it gives me a mind picture of the responsibility that we have. You know, with having God's word, knowing God's word, we 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 can equate ourselves to Ezekiel's watchman. Right? We we know what's coming. You know, and you know if I have friends or people we know or that I have never spoken God's word to, and I had the opportunity, well, you know, I look at that as being their blood on my head because I had the opportunity and didn't say anything. Not that God's ever going to hold us guilty or accountable. I don't mean to apply that because we know we've been judged in Jesus Christ and found righteous no matter what happens, right? I just look at this record from a point of view of accountability. You know, maybe it gives us a bit more of a uh, thinking of how important and vital what we have is. Right? Um, look at Acts chapter 3. A couple more verses. Acts chapter 3. I'm sure you know enough about the Lord that the guilt part is not an issue there. To me it was more like, wow, God would give me that responsibility to help somebody be delivered from the wrath to come. How, how, would, I, how would I... And I have, you know, I'm guilty for not having taken the opportunity at times in my life where I had the opportunity to speak the word. Maybe it was family, maybe it was weird, maybe I, I, th I would have thought that people might not think, you know, you know, it's happened over the years, right? 
Well, let's you know we make our term. We, let's probably go to God's word. We look at it and say, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. Right. Why? Because that's God's desire. I want to do what God's will is, not my will. I want to do what He wants. In Acts three verse one. Now after Peter, now Peter and John went up together unto the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they did daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Were they caring about the same desire that God has? Or they just kind of, you know, on their way to temple, oh, let's go to temple, we pray every day, let's, let's pray again, you know, yeah, get away. I'm, I'm, I got to get this get done out of here. No, but they were ready, and you know, information came, and they talked to the man. Look what he says, verse five. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Right? You know, do we have what they had? Absolutely. Any questions about that? I don't think anybody here has any doubt that they we have the exact same thing Peter and John had. Do we would we have the ability to see the need they had, and would we would we have the courage to carry it through like they did, right? Or or you know, if we're carrying God's desire, I guarantee you from God's word, when we do, when we carry forth God's desire and we do the things that God wants, and He supports His word, He backs up His word every single time. Right? Did He take care of Peter and John? Did He get you know? Did he, has He taken care of His people through time? Absolutely. Right, so you know here here's a case. I think Peter and John. I mean, you know the rest of the record. Peter said, "I don't, you know, I don't have money right now, but what I have, I'm going to give you." Well, I think I've got that. You've got that. So when you're walking about Costco or Home Depot or wherever, uh, linen chest. <laughs> 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 wherever you shop, Patrick. <laughs> you know, wherever we go, opportunities to speak, to have the same things they had. That we, we had the exact same thing. We have the same thing to offer. And we have the same God who backs up His Word that backed them up. It's just a matter of desire and will. Right? And we'll close in First Timothy. Second Timothy. We started in First Timothy. We'll close in Second Timothy. Chapter 4. Second Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge ye therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. It's interesting, he charged him, you know, before God and Jesus Christ. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. And the working translation translates that as herald the word. Stand ready when it is convenient and when it is not convenient. Out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and all those things don't happen necessarily in one meeting, you know, with one person, right? You can't reprove somebody until they've known the doctrine, right? So it's not just a matter of being out in the street and saying, okay, I'm going to preach, reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort in one couple of sentences here and get, get on my way. To, I, was, I, was, I was here to buy some, you know, chainsaw oil anyway, so, but I'm going to get that. No, it's a matter of being, you know, ready to preach, you know, ready to preach, instant, reprove, rebuke, exhort, 
And it says here, with all long-suffering and doctrine, it takes work. It takes time. The same things we, Paul was talking about, right? The same things Peter and John were into. Jesus Christ was into, into doing. All carrying the desire that God has for people to be saved and to come on to a knowledge of the truth, right? Um, you know, it's not, it's not a, I wrote here, it's not a, some burdensome duty, but a recognition that we, we want to make God's desire our desire. I don't want to just live my life with all things that I want to do all the time and my desires and my this, you know, um, and to be able to carry out and to honor that determination of will to make His desire our desire. Now, so Jesus Christ, Paul, Peter, John, and so forth, all these men that we just read briefly about, chose to obey God rather than man. And you know, they were in one case they said they they, they were they were rejoicing because they counted it worthy to suffer shame for His name, right? Because they had spoken the word. They go, "Oh, this is great!" You know, look what happens. Fantastic! You know that that great heart to carry God's desire. You know, so they had the same great desire that God had, right? And I, I asked myself, how about you, Raj? Do you, do you have that same desire? How about us, right? Do we have that same desire, right? So make God's desire your desire.